Welcome back to a new episode of the All Things Croatia podcast. I'm your host, Stan Kozovac. Born and raised in Los Angeles, I'm now living in Zagreb and studying the Croatian language. Before we start, just do me a favor and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening, as well as the Facebook and Instagram page. In this series, I'll be talking with people both in the homeland and around the globe who have connections to Croatia. We'll hear from startups, returning diaspora, musicians and athletes, and the biggest Croatian celebrities that will return my calls. But enough about me. Idemo dalje, and let's get started. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, today, our special guest is Marina Orsog, and Marina is a Croatian comedian who got her start in 2004, and since then has put on thousands of shows, and among many other projects, opened up the first Croatian stand-up comedy club, Studio Smieha. In this episode, we're going to hear about that and some other projects while we learn about the state of the Croatian comedy scene today. Uh, Marina, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. Now, I have to be honest, and I know we were just talking about this, um, but when I first reached out to you, I thought I was just reaching out. I had heard about Studio Smeha, and I said, I'll reach out to the owner. And it wasn't until later, when I was in a class, actually giving a presentation and talking about the podcast, and my professor asked, who are you interviewing next? And I said, oh, a Croatian comedian. And before I even said your name, she said, oh, like, hold on, I know the best Croatian comedian, and goes and writes your name up on the board. <laughs> and I said, wait, Aww. that's who I'm interviewing. <laughs> she said, oh, she's an amazing comedian, an amazing singer. And I said, singer, what do you mean? And then I did some research, and I saw you're one of the most famous Croatian comedians, and you're also <laughs> on a, um, you're also a singer. You're on the show Zvijezde Pjevaju. Which yeah, is like well, a singing uh, with the stars? Uh, yeah, singing. It's just the two of us, actually. The the license from the UK. Ah. Uh, so, yeah, the actually professional singers are singing with uh, another uh, public uh, person. So, we have eight couples. Uh, uh, there are a lot of actors as well. And they invited me. And uh, two years ago, I was also in Your Face Sounds Familiar, where we had to sing in 16 episodes. But, but we had to imitate... Uh, the existing artists and uh, this other this show that I'm in now we have to sing other songs other people's songs but we sing with our own voice we do not have to imitate any, <laughs> anybody so yeah it's a lot of fun I'm not a singer but okay since we started with this I'm gonna just tell you why those shows are I mean they are necessary for uh, me to continue to do my uh, primary work which is stand up because that is used for PR of course but uh, for me, the singing uh, shows are uh, kind of... I mean, I've been in a lot of different game shows and shows that have nothing to do with stand-up. Uh, but those singing ones are actually kind of special to me because um, when I was uh, much younger, I sang in choirs a lot when I was 12 and uh, then uh, up to my when I was 17. And uh, I did a lot of solo things in the choir and stuff like that, and I really enjoy singing. But at the the when I was seventeen, I uh, went on an audition with uh, this manager guy, and uh, for a, a singer in a band. And I did the audition, and he told me that uh, I have an amazing voice, and if uh, I would be okay to have my voice on the recording but on stage to have somebody who looks much more attractive <laughs> and and better and uh, when when you're 17 that kind of like uh, kicks your confidence into the abyss 
And so I went home and I never kind of sang again. And when I started doing stand-up, which actually is uh, the thing I believe I was primarily uh, meant to do. <laughs> so it's the first thing I, I will say that I am. But uh, I started using some uh, singing uh, things in my jokes. And then when they invited me to the Your Face uh, Sounds Familiar, where you're singing Under the Masks, uh, singing with stars already existed. And I, it was always my big desire. But the first step and much easier step for uh, kind of healing my trauma from <laughs> teenage years was uh, the show Under the Masks. So I went to do that first, and there I kind of got uh, positive feedback from the audience. And uh, because it's really strange, you know, I performed, I had more than 3,000 shows in stand-up in my feet. And if wow. you send me now to perform in front of 10,000 people and doing stand-up, I don't care. I would have stage fright because that's a normal thing, and that's a, a necessary thing, I would say, for an artist. But it wouldn't be that huge stage fright like it was before for singing I would shake I would like it's regardless the fact that I am a public person who is performing all the time so uh, under the mask it was much uh, easier to start with the healing of the trauma and after those 16 episodes and after great feedback and everything uh, it was much uh, easier for me to accept when they finally invited me to singing to the uh, singing with stars and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm really enjoying it. I'm really happy and I'm really enjoying it. Uh, but I don't believe that this is, uh, my way. The only way that I see, I mean, I actually, uh, you can find it on YouTube. It's called Niedna Druga or no, no, no one else. Uh, I made a, uh, author, cantautor. I don't know how you say that in, uh, in English at the moment. I can't remember that, but I wrote the lyrics and I wrote the music for mm -hmm. a song, for a love song, and I sang it. So it's on YouTube and you can see it. I did that. And like the song says, no other one. I believe that's going to be the only song I ever, <laughs> ever do. <laughs> but uh, my desire is not to start any kind of singing career after this. My desire is to sing, but after my shows with the guitar in bars. And if I do any kind of like professional uh, singing, uh, then I would like to cooperate with the existing artists and bands as a duet or some kind of cooperation. I don't think I will ever go to uh, to start a singing career. So, yeah, I'm a stand-up comedian. I'm not, I'm not a singer. <laughs> well, I mean, it seems like a lot of fun on the show, and I mean, you're definitely you were a great singer. I listened to, I don't uh, know if you. it was the most recent performance or close to it, but it shook you all night long. Yeah, that was the recent. One. That was the most recent. And ACDC is my favorite band of all time. So when I heard that, I thought, oh, wow, like th this is going to be a great interview on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I chose that song because oh, they really? give you just the, yeah, they just give you the genre. You have to play the, in a, in a certain episode. And then you can choose songs. And if the mentor thinks that that song is uh, good enough for, for the uh, duet, Mm -hmm. and uh, for the show and for your voice then it's can it can be done so yeah i chose acdc and uh, and also chris isaac wicked the game so i'm really happy with the last episode uh, yeah that's a good song too yeah you got you're definitely picking some good songs <laughs> um, uh, thank you so much but like you said you're a stand-up comedian first of all and before we get into yes. that 
Um, I wanted to ask if you can just talk a little bit about your background, you know, growing up and where you went to school, that sort of thing. Oh, okay, no problem. I grew up in a neighborhood in Zagreb called Shalata. And for me, the funny part when I say that uh, part of uh, that neighborhood uh, to anybody that I grew up there, everybody's like, ooh, fancy, <laughs> Shalata, which is actually kind of a more expensive neighborhood. But uh, we grew up in um, in a basement. This is gonna sound like really like oh my god, but it's it's truth. Come on, I'm I'm not I'm not being pathetic about it. It's just truth. Truth. Yeah. We grew grew up uh, in a basement apartment of twenty five uh, square square meters, which uh, had no uh, uh, toilet. We we had no shower, and the toilet was outside uh, in a hallway next to all the other basements of the apartments above. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so that was funny. So when uh, my mom met her, I mean, she didn't meet him. Do you want to hear my family story? It's actually beginning of my stand-up, uh, but... Oh, well, yeah, yeah. It, it we'll is let that weird. lead into how you started stand-up, yeah. Uh, well, probably that's one of the reasons why I'm like this, because I grew up <laughs> like that. Okay, so, but you have to follow me. And I hope everybody who who is listening is following. So I have this uh, person in my life. Her name is Valeria. And uh, I call her my sister because I don't know how else to call her uh, because of our history. And the history is next. Uh, In 65 or more years ago, in one uh, house lived Valeria's grandmother from uh, a mom of her father. In the house next door lived my grandmother, my father's mother, okay? So my father was born, her father was born, and they grew up together as friends in the, uh, like neighbors and best friends, and they played along, played all the time together, blah, blah. So when they turned 16 and 17, Valeria's father met somewhere outside her mother, and they started dating, and my father was kind of a third wheel, so they didn't go out as much. But they were missing going out, so at one point, uh, Valeria's mom and dad met on a party my mom and thought that it would be so good to introduce her to my father. So they introduced them, and then at one point, uh, they started double dating. They double dated every weekend, going out, uh, playing board games, going to a party or whatever. And uh, (laughs) when they turned 20-something, my parents got married, her parents got married. Then at one point, I was born, and then a year later, Valeria was born. And we still socialized every weekend, uh, going to skiing, uh, pools, uh, whatever, it doesn't matter, parks. Uh, but we socialized every weekend. Four years later, my sister was born, and then a year later, Lydia's brother was born. So now you have two families, two, four member families, okay? So you have me and my sister with my mom and dad. You have Valeria and her brother with her mom and dad. And we were socializing every weekend. Then when I turned six, my dad left my mom and my mom stayed alone with the two of us. But we still socialized, two families still socialized. Uh, So two years after that, Valeria's mom left her dad uh, and Valeria's dad was left with uh, 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 two of them, and we still socialized. So a couple of years after, I mean, two years after that, my mom and Valeria's dad realized that actually they should be together. <laughs> so I hope you followed me through. I think you're going to yeah. have to listen to this one more time. <laughs> so they got married, and now they're together more than 30 years. 
And that's how my family actually <laughs> came together. <laughs> wow, that's a crazy story. That's like multi yeah. multi generational friendships leading into marriage and then <laughs> what well, I don't know what like I don't know. We need we need uh, probably psychiatrists, but I have stand up so <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that's <a> so, <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, so uh, we when we when they got married, Valeria's dad and my mom, we moved from Shalata to Chernomeretz um, next to uh, Zagrebačka Pivovara, which is a beer factory. So actually, my all my clothes all the time smelled like chmel, which is uh, I don't know how to say it in English, but the thing that you made beer out of. So yeah, that's also fun part. And I grew there, and I went to uh, economical high, economic high school, mm-hmm. which I don't think I ever should have gone. But okay, <laughs> it does all of that led me to here? So fine. Yeah, it so, works out somehow. <laughs> yeah. So after uh, high school, uh, my mom. Uh, said that I have to do whatever necessary to get a paycheck and she decided that she's gonna get me jobs at first which were after economic school I was a cleaning lady first no actually first my, my first job was a as a bartender in this nasty bar my mom found uh, with really alcoholic people it was really weird I lasted for five days but not because I didn't want to work it's because they started being gross Mm. and then I started to work in a hospital as a cleaning lady and then after that I worked in a boutique as a sales girl in a insurance company and uh, I turned 21 and then I went as a babysitter to New Jersey actually. Wow. Yes. So when I was in New Jersey and we very, uh, very oftenly went to Manhattan and to New York, uh, then I got introduced actually with stand-up. That's the first time I always knew I wanted to do something to entertain people. And uh, I did singing in the choir. I tried um, acting. I tried uh, uh, dancing. I tried a lot of things, but nothing really was like this is my calling i really want to do this and then when i first saw stand up in united states i was like this i want this how is not like what why is this not so at that that time it did that it does not exist in uh, croatia at all so yeah after that i came back and i started working in an american company which was actually really weird we had to go around the city uh, carrying boxes in suits carrying boxes with uh, stuffed animals and uh, funny things and selling them to people on the street, which was <laughs> like, it's, it's, but actually that uh, I'm grateful for that because it taught me to communicate with people. And it taught me that uh, whenever you're selling something, you're not selling uh, the product, you're selling yourself kind of. Mm. Yeah. So I'm actually grateful for that, but it was a wild, wild period in my life to actually go around the streets and uh, sell things from the box I'm holding in my hands (laughs) to people and uh, at that time when I came back to Zagreb and did that still nothing existed and uh, then I started to work as a receptionist in Deloitte Um, and I became an office coordinator and office manager really fast and I did that for three years and then all of a sudden my best friend told me that uh, two actors started to uh, do acting stand-up workshop and she told me that uh, if I don't go she will never talk to me and I went to the <laughs> stand-up comedy workshop 
and it was amazing but uh, and from that workshop kind of five first uh, stand up comedians of um, Croatia started but since they were actors uh they did not have experience and uh, so all of a sudden at one point uh, we didn't dis- we didn't agree on a lot of uh, things so we ended up the first five of us ended up kind of um solo producing everything so that's how it started and now you can ask me actually whatever you want regarding <laughs> yeah. the wow, regarding well, the scene well five famous comedians all came from that first one workshop no no five comedians f- five first comedians in Croatia came out of that workshop mm-hmm. but uh, we did like a lot i don't think one of them was, Three of them actually are not doing stand up now anymore. I see. Yeah, but I can uh, <laughs> I mean I can start talking to you like how like that all started and we were uh called Svepet and uh five of us performed uh, every week at this bar and tried to produce uh, shows around uh, around Croatia explaining uh, bars and theaters. I mean we couldn't reach the theaters at that point because stand up was a uh, no nothing nobody knew anything about stand up so we had to actually uh beside performing we had to explain and teach the audience and the bar owners and actually everybody what stand up is and why it should exist in Croatia <laughs> as well but um when we first started it was five of us and at one point uh to be honest i felt like Uh, the scene needs to grow and uh, after a year uh, of us let's say it like that i said that it, we should start doing workshops and uh, open mic nights because open mic did not exist at that point and um, and that was only after a year we started so they disagreed with me a lot that i will be creating and building a uh, competition to us mm. and that's really stupid and i tried to explain them no but the better competition is the better you are so we kind of need it and kind of like you know and since our mentor the actress uh, slavica knejevic when she uh, was mentoring us she actually forced forced us and i'm really grateful for that she actually for- forced us to write uh, new material every week which later we brought it to rule i brought it to rule when it started open mic and workshops and comedy club uh, that all the residents of comedy club have to write new material new 15 minutes each month wow sounds like and a lot and that actually that sounds like a lot but i will explain it <laughs> uh i bel- i learned that brain is a muscle like any other uh the more you practice it the better it gets so at one point comedians didn't even have to write jokes they only had to write little two or three words that they knew what joke was a thing or uh, what the, the joke was about mm-hmm. or they just had to i mean uh, because we had a small audience in the beginning we still have small audience i mean croatia is not a big country you know so when you go to split twice with a show next time you come you're going to have to you know you're going to have to give them something new mm. so that actually made creatious creation scene incredibly like i believe that all the comedians that came out of studio smeha are really 
good in quality. And also I kind of forced uh, to perform, like, because, you know, only the game in your feet are going to build you up in a good performer. So I kind of forced them to perform, 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 perform. Whether do we have uh, it's a, uh, like uh, um, a charity performance or do we get uh, 50 kuna or 5,000 kuna? It doesn't matter. Just perform, perform, perform. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I believe that writing new material and forcing yourself to write it every month and to perform that much, I believe that uh, really helped uh, comedians to grow into what they are right now. Yeah, I'm sure. And I'm sure it must have been difficult to really, I mean, you started basically the comedy scene in Croatia. So, I mean, do you remember sort of what your first jokes were about? I mean, how did you, was it hard? You mentioned something about having to almost explain to the audience, you know, how to react. Well, we explain to the audience, uh, sometimes uh, even we repeat, that's kind of like a professional deformacy now for us, because uh, when we get on the stage, uh, sometimes we still uh, get the audience that never, ever was on stand-up, mm-hmm. for example. We still do that. I mean, we still have that kind of audience. So our professional deformation is when we go on stage, first we ask, uh, we say good night, good, good evening, blah, blah. Uh, can you please clap who is first time listening to stand-up comedy at all. And then if a lot of them uh, applaud or clap, we just say uh, that, okay, first of all, stand-up is uh, what you need to know, that stand-up is uh, not telling old jokes that you listened on your family table during uh, lunches. (laughs) It's something that uh, each comedian has to write uh, their own jokes, uh, regardless to the fact uh, that they have to be funny, of course, that's like the most important, but the, the, also the mo- very important thing is that you react to them loudly. So if you find something good, please laugh out loud. Don't laugh inside yourself. Uh, and uh, <laughs> if you find the joke that it's really, really good, then you can clap as well and blah, blah, blah. If you want to tell us something or throw some heckles at us, please do. But remember that we will give back as well (laughs) so be aware of that as well and also since we are speaking like you all speak each day we're gonna say some curses as well we are we do not have Tourette syndrome but we will (laughs) speak a normal uh, 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 national language like you all do at home so that we, we use that intro actually from the beginning of building of the scene and we sometimes still use it uh, today and it kind of uh, and it kind of explains the audience actually everything in those a minute or two that you explain yeah that's very interesting that you actually have to you know explain how it's going to work and i guess me coming from los angeles you know it's a pretty big comedy scene over there it's (laughs) to me that seems also you know familiar and and obvious but i guess yeah when you've never had that scene i guess you wouldn't really you know know what to expect yeah, so because, uh, uh, I mean, we are a theater uh, audience in uh, Croatia. So before the comedy scene started, theater was all we had. So they are not used to those kind of interactions probably as much as it is in stand-up. So, yeah, we have to we had to explain in the beginning, every time we got on the stage, we had to say all those things before we started the show. But... Uh, you know, it's, I mean, when you look at it, I created history. So when you are creating history, I don't think you care if you need to do 
this, this, or this. And so it's like whatever we needed to do to make this happen and to put it on, on feet, uh, we did. And yeah, so after that, actually, uh, after I, uh, started doing uh, open mic and uh, and uh, workshops. Uh, kind of uh, the group that started in the beginning, the five of us, did not last long, and uh, that's actually kind of a good thing because we were connected by other people. We are not we were not homogen group that said, "Oh, let's perform together." We mm. were we were made into group by somebody else, you know. So it was a kind of lo- logical step forward and. Uh, two, the four of them, they each went on some other sides, and I believe three of them do not do stand up anymore at all. And one of them, I have no idea, and I don't kind of, I don't kind of uh, care. So <laughs> I started doing open mic, and the uh, comedians that started coming out of the open mic were amazing. And uh, at, at that point, uh, it was, uh, I believe, and we performed in several uh, clubs uh, uh, in Zagreb, and we were going outside and building the scene like in like little ants, let's say, like, <laughs> like that, like all the little bars and places, but uh, as, as much of that as possible. And um, and then at one point we realized in Zagreb especially, I mean, specifically in Zagreb, uh, when we were the most, uh, I mean, wh- where we performed the most, uh, we realized after, it was, I believe, 2009 when they uh, first invited us in that theater uh, studio. They invited us in theater studio to perform on... Uh, Actually, it was 2008 when they invited us to perform on Thursdays, and mm. we started performing on Thursdays. And we had, uh, we had okay, we had Vladko, we had Goran, we had uh, five comedians that can hold that Thursday, and that was cool. So, with a couple of months and open mic, uh, we had uh, we started doing also Wednesday. So we had Monday, we had Wednesday, and we had Thursday, and we realized that we are kind of bored by explaining that why we need the uh, uh, stage light why do we need the microphone why do we need you know it was really because we performed uh, on uh, on uh, boxes for beers you know those uh, those plastic boxes uh, like they, yeah. would, they would put one plastic box upside down next to the bar and like okay there you go <laughs> so, <laughs> so we had like we passed uh, like our stage lights were uh, grandma's lamps and uh, I, I cannot even like, <laughs> and we performed a lot of places that uh, nobody should perform stand up ever. But you know, we had to see where stand up can be pushed in and where can, it cannot be pushed in. So we did like, I cannot even explain to you w- what uh, w- what kind of things we passed. And you know what we even did, and that's something I'm proud of. Uh, we did what we w- lo- love to call uh, what we call the Johnny Cash tour because we did. Um, all the jails in uh, Croatia. Ah, uh, yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. So what yeah, okay, was that? we can. We oh, okay, but we can go back to that because okay, I just okay. wanted to. Uh, I just wanted to say that we. Uh, okay, so we we were done with explaining uh, why do we all need that, and we kind of felt, okay, we need something where we can control 
things. And the Kino Club was at that point multimedia studio and was uh, run by some other girls. And then uh, in next couple of months, uh, a period came where we started uh, uh, working really intensively and closely with the Slovenian stand-up comedy scene. And we started working intensively and closely with Serbian comedy scene. And uh, we also had some pub quizzes and we realized, okay, so actually we kind of have a weekly program if we ever wanted to. And then uh, those girls that were running that uh, studio theater uh, left and decided not to have it anymore. So we talked to the owners if they would be really nice and give us kind of okay uh, monthly rent that I have a partner, Andre Težak Teški, who started Punch Festival in Slovenia, and he's willing to invest and we can open the first comedy club in Croatia. So actually, yeah, with all those open micers, and so we had a kind of uh, residence, it, I think it was nine of us that could hold the scene with all the other guests, and that's actually uh, why kind of and how uh, Studios Mieha started. Huh. And so that location is where Studios Mieha is now? No, Studios Mieha is ne- nowhere now at this moment. So because we started in Kino Studio and then uh, we were there for, uh, I believe, five years. And then after five years, uh, we realized that because we got a lot of thefts as well in uh, in the club and uh, the owners wanted to raise the rent and to us it was not affordable. So we moved to uh, Gaeva. Uh, on the corner of Gaeva and Hebrangova. We moved in the center of the town in 2016 because we got kind of really great offer, offer from the owner there. And at, at the same time, we also went to the city and asked if there's some space uh, from the city for us because it's time. I mean, okay, it was only six years since the comedy scene started and later 10, but it was kind of like it's about time to, that city gives us a cultural space. But we were able, never able to get it. So uh, we moved uh, to, uh, I, actually I moved, but yeah, the comedy club <laughs> moved to the uh, corner of Gaiva and Hebrangova. And it was kind of a better comedy place because it uh, has all the brick walls and uh, it's in basement. And it's kind of, it really, really was cool. And we had that up till, uh, up to pandemic and then pandemic happened, and uh, when you have 60,000 kuna called, uh, I, I have to pay the rent, I have to pay the uh, salaries, and I have to pay, like, it's 60,000 kuna a month, and we cannot work at all at that point. Mm-hmm. So we kind of tried to hold it uh, until June, and then we realized, I mean, I realized that it's not going to be possible. But to be extremely honest in this podcast... Uh, for me, it has, it, we jumped kind of from the opening to the end with nothing in the middle, but we'll come back to the middle. But the, to me, after, because I realized that I was a brand, let's say it like that, before I even opened Studios Mechan Club. And I focused all my energy since I was 26 on creating scene, comedians, and uh, creating the comedy club and running it. And uh, I realized I didn't focus uh, that much on myself and my own career at all. And at point, and I always wanted that to be kind of, because uh, I went to Amsterdam and I saw a comedy club there and there was 40 people on the pictures on the comedy, uh, on the wall, uh, like separately, individually, 40 
pictures and I was like, well, who are all these people? Owners. And I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are all the comedians that came from the open mic and then they all opened up and they kind of, uh, they switch. One of them is running the club each month. Wow. So when you, so, and they're all working together, blah, blah, blah. So that was kind of my inspiration idea from the beginning. But after, uh, 10 years of running the comedy club and the scene, I realized that unfortunately that was not the case here. And, uh, something, at, I realized that something that's not so, not so important to me. It's so important as my baby, but not important, not necessary for me and my career. I'm killing myself for it, and the people who that is necessary for are not. So to me, it was kind of a more a burden for the a year or more before it closed. So I was kind of relieved when a pandemic happened because I didn't want to close the club and be responsible for it because it was the only comedy club in Croatia, you know, and closing it, it mm. would be like <laughs> yeah. huge responsibility. So when the pandemic happened, I kind of went, Oh, it's not my fault, <laughs> <laughs> but I definitely, it is my baby. And I definitely will, uh, bring it back one day for sure. But as soon as the city and the cultural, uh, uh cultural ministry and all those necessary institutions, realize that that is something necessary and they don't have to give us money or anything we just need a little tiny space where we can make people laugh every day because the best part of uh, studio smeha for me was uh i don't think i can explain to anybody if they didn't have it what kind of a feeling it gives you to have a space where loud out loud laughter comes out of every evening hmm. It's really something special. So, yeah, I will return it one day, but I just kind of needed a break. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. And I mean, in the I guess sort of jumping to the future then on, on my side too. In the meantime, while there's no Studio Smeha, I mean, how does the Croatian comedy scene survive? I mean, is there a lot of open mics going on or... <laughs> well, I don't believe that uh, there is a lot of open mics going on. And uh, I... I hope they are, but I don't think that those are kind of, I don't, because we are not doing it, the open mic anymore. And uh, I don't know if uh, uh, after those open mics that are on right now is any, uh, any perspective for the future. But since, uh, okay, so we are going back to the beginning. Since when, when we started <laughs> the comedy club, uh, we had uh, nine residents. And then uh, Ivan Šarić, who was one of the first residents, he went uh, solo. And that was the idea of me that, uh, like every, uh, every time somebody grows out of the club residency, you know, they start solo, but still they come back to perform when they want, blah, 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 blah. But at one point, um, cause I, I was at, uh, I, I cannot lie. At, at, I, I, there was a period where I was really frustrated and uh, the, everything was on me and I worked like crazy. I performed in the evenings. I woke up in the morning, uh, and anything you can imagine to be done regarding a comedy club, I did it by myself. I would even sometime, uh, be on the cash register for the tickets, uh, serve people from the bar, uh, and then get on the stage and like, wow. eh, so yeah, so uh, there were points where I kind of, uh, flipped and, uh, we, uh, we sometimes got in fights or something, 
not for no reason, of course, but still my reactions were more heightened probably. I mean, I'm not a psycho, but you know, when you, when you're, it's enough, then it's enough. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, at that point, uh, four comedians, uh, at, at one point after Ivan, four comedians, uh, made uh, their own group. Now it's a lineup. And, um, I believe that Vladko should have, uh, do also what uh, Ivan did and left like solo and built his own career, but it doesn't matter. That's my opinion. So they made a group and they started also performing on their own. So after, uh, and then we started, I started the Studio Smeha Split and we started the open mics and the scene in Split. And after that, uh, the comedians that uh, I built in Split took over the scene and they're also performing now solo, not just in Split, but, but also everywhere else. Now they're called Splitska Scena. And uh, also after uh, studio uh, closed, you also have a couple of comedians that opened uh, because I said, I'm, I'm not going to like do any production anymore and I'm done. I'm just going to focus on me. So also some of comedians build their own group, which is now Beast Comedy. So stand-up comedy scene in Zagreb is without a club functioning. I mean, not in Zagreb, in Croatia in general, is functioning pretty okay. Uh the only thing I'm not sure of is for some new comedians, is there at the moment some major perspective or not? But mm. regarding the scene, to keep the audience uh, floating and to keep everything uh, going and to keep comedy where it is right now, I believe that it's okay. But for new comedians, uh, yeah, the, the, I believe that some new things are going to change. Uh, and I I am uh, writing actually... Uh, regarding to do all the workshops I did so far I'm writing a stand-up comedy tutorial let's say it like that wow so I'm gonna issue that and people can actually have that wherever they are in Croatia and maybe they can start their own scene there or open mics or whatever who knows because I I don't think that's my uh, obligation anymore and uh, Split and Zagreb were kind of enough for me I mean we perform everywhere but uh, it's not that uh, hard to start open mics and scene. They just need a little push. And I believe the tutorial can be uh, one kind of push. So I believe that the scene is going to grow much bigger. And what my biggest inten- intentions now after closing the club bar is to focus on my career. But also focusing on my career means... Uh, to bring stand-up also on much higher level because it's more than time for us to have a television show because um, comedy scenes in Slovenia and Serbia started started later than creation scene and they all, they all have uh, shows on TV and uh, uh, guests, they, they are guests as comedians in some other shows and uh, as copywriters and stuff like that. So... Mm-hmm. Yes, we are performing as guests in some TV shows, but we I, I believe that it's time that stand-up got some space on uh, our TV channels. So that's also kind of going to bring stand-up comedy scene to much bigger perspective in Croatia, I believe so. I see. So it seems Croatia is sort of lacking the infrastructure to you know, allow the comedy scene to expand. 
Um, but yeah, uh, it's not getting uh, the understanding uh, of the necessary institutions. Uh, it's not getting the understanding of uh, necessary TV companies and productions. And uh, yeah, just that one little, because now theaters are on our side completely because they realize that we are the most cheapest production ever. Just give us a mic and a light and that's uh, it. <laughs> yeah. There is no, no, we don't need anything else. And uh, and we fill the spaces so they're, uh, everybody's open to us now and thank you for that. Uh, there is one special story I would really want to tell you regarding uh, Lisinski Hall. But uh, yeah, there's just one, that, that little tiny push to bring uh, the whole thing to a bigger to a bigger perspective. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, go ahead, please, with the story. Yeah, since uh, first we had to... I, I'm going to go back to the festivals later, the first festivals and everything uh, that we did that made scene uh, bigger and where it is right now. But uh, one really dear story to me is uh, when we first decided that it's time to try Lisinski, I don't know if you know uh, what the concert hall Lisinski is and where it is, but it's one of the biggest. It has 1,800 seats, and it's one of the biggest. Like, if you perform in Lisinski not to get money, but to get prestige, let's say it like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and since we got into some theaters and stuff like that, at one point uh, I was like, should we dare try it? Like, should we? And uh, we booked the hall. I decided to do best of regional stand up and to have six comedians perform from each uh, each uh, ex Yugoslavia uh, country. And uh, let's try if we can if we can maybe do that. And then we booked the concert hall, and uh, the PR had to st- uh, was supposed to start on the first of March. Uh, it was two thousand six. I believe it was supposed to start at 1st of March uh, and we had everything planned like jumbo posters uh, TV the radio like that was the biggest PR we were managed to do in history of stand-up comedy scene and I was so excited about it and uh, on the 1st of March it was planned to start but when we agreed on everything, me and my assistant were in the, in studio at that time. And I said, you know what? Let's, let us put up the Facebook event on our page just so that people can have their, it's going to be in their ear when we start with the PR because it's 1,800 seats and we have to fill it, you know? So just let, let us put up the event just, just in case so that people can start speaking about it. Mm-hmm. And we put up the event on Facebook. And we we went on a page where they sell tickets and it was first three rows gone. And then I refreshed it. It was first six rows gone. <laughs> and we were like, what the... Okay, we'll wait tomorrow, t- until tomorrow. Maybe something is wrong. On the 26th of uh, February, so that's the day after the, we put on the event, it was like 800 tickets sold. And we called the concert hall and told them there is something wrong with your, <laughs> with your page for tickets. Because every time we refreshed, it was like 100 tickets more and now it's 800 almost. And it's like, what the fuck, you know? And they are, no, 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 but those are all your tickets. Like, 
those are all tickets sold. Yes. <laughs> what? And by the 28th of uh, February, uh, the concert hall was sold out. Wow. So what we actually had to do with PR on all the jumbo screens, we had to write sold out. <laughs> because everything was paid and everything was agreed on but we couldn't like you know fool people so so the our entire pr went out as okay so uh, we are doing this but it's sold out. it's like yeah so that that's kind of that was such an amazing shock for us and such a such a confirmation that people are in desire of quality intellectual comedy and not what we have serving on the on uh, everywhere around us and i believe that this story if i tell them on tv uh, i hope that this story is going to persuade them that yeah we are needed as much as uh alive we are needed on tv as well mm-hmm. oh yeah that, i mean that sucks to have to still spend that money on marketing but i'm sure that's such a great feeling that you, you realize you didn't even need it that it sold out so quickly and people, so yeah, many people was, were interested. That was like incredible, really. So, yeah. And we didn't spend a lot of money on marketing because we kind of got uh, sponsorship from uh, the TV, from the radio and TV and uh, the guys. I mean, we were really grateful because a lot of people who were coming into studio and uh, following comedy scene at that point uh, for 10 years, uh, the, I, we are grateful for a lot of individuals who actually really loved us so much that we are like making them laugh and making uh, their life uh, happier at uh, some days uh, that they really helped us uh, helped us a lot during the during I mean helped me a lot during the building of the scene so we got uh, jumbo posters also for free we just had to pay spaces so it wasn't that much money and I'm really grateful like for example we have uh, uh, the director of Esplanade Hotel uh, when he came to the opening of the club, actually, no, before the club was even open, he was just noticing us, uh, me building it up. And he came to me and he said, I cannot believe that uh, this whole thing is on the shoulders of this little tiny person as you. <laughs> uh, it's because I'm meter and uh, 59. And, uh, and he gave me his business card and he said that uh, all our guests that come to perform in Zagreb will uh, have a place to stay in Esplanade as long as we exist and i cannot uh, believe that uh, that his promise regardless of the fact that he's not there anymore is still here and they're helping us every time we need something and they're shocking comedians all over the world coming to us because if you stay in Esplanade, like one comedian from UK said you ruined every stay in every hotel that i will ever be in <laughs> Because it's that much awesome. So, yeah, those kind of people who actually don't get anything out of it, kind of, mm-hmm. but still, still want to help the and still support, supporting the community is kind of really, I really appreciate it for that. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's definitely cool to hear. Uh, I wanted to ask something, you know, in general about the, the um, Croatian comedy scene. Uh, mm-hmm. You mentioned something a while ago about uh, like telling long jokes at the dinner table, and something I've noticed here in Croatia is that you know, especially the older people love like those long old jokes, 
to tell those. And I was wondering, what for you is the difference between, you know, Croatian humor and maybe American or British, you know, if you could compare it to sort of a different country or, you know, a different stand-up um, region? Yeah. Well, I don't, technically, I don't believe there is a lot of difference because uh, we have the, a lot of foreign comedians performing here and we ha- uh, we performed a lot uh, outside, even in English. Uh, so I believe that the audience is kind of not the same everywhere, but you just need to adjust, uh, to, uh, some things that you will, s- for example, when I went to Amsterdam and, uh, before I performed, they told me, okay, say whatever you, I asked them, like, what should I say? What kind of jokes do I do? And they told me, like, you know what? Whatever you do, you normally just do it. People are people everywhere. But please, in Amsterdam, do not talk about getting stoned <laughs> or about Red District because I, we believe every comedian ever who was here <laughs> talked only about that and the audience <laughs> is fed up with that. So you kind of adjust in that kind of way. But let's say that Balkan people are more... It, it's more like national, not national humor. Like, I believe that nations are different. Okay. So if a joke is good, people are going to laugh everywhere. And it's just, I don't, I don't think, I don't like, I honestly don't believe that there is, uh, and like uh, huge differences in, in comedy scenes mm-hmm. everywhere. Yeah, that, that yeah, makes sense. I, I, I was really, just wondering. I really, what... you know, I really don't. There is a difference maybe in the audience, uh, uh, rural and urban. Mm. There is maybe a little difference in some kind of approach in jokes you're going to have. But still, n- no, you know, it's it's kind of, I, I believe that people, people are people everywhere and uh, if you approach them like that uh, like for example I will only adjust uh, I will not say local jokes somewhere that it's not local like for example if I speak about uh, situations in tram mm-hmm. uh, tram exists in Zagreb and in Osijek so I will probably not so much to, because people cannot relate to those jokes as much as people who use tram every day uh, can relate, you know? So yeah. may, maybe just that. If the jokes are not re- relatable for that part of uh, uh, country or uh, world or whatever where you uh, perform, then I will just not use it. But uh, regarding the, the the jokes, if they're good, I believe that audience is the same everywhere. And if you respect them and you approach to them in a certain way, I mean, you know, I will sometimes... Uh, we, I will always actually when before I come on the stage I will uh, go behind the, uh, the the speaker or the curtain and just kind of check out my audience because I believe that they're more dividable not by nation nationality or where they live they're more dividable by men uh, women uh, age difference and stuff like that you know. Mm. Because if I have a lot of young audience, okay, I can talk about weed. But if I have audience 60 plus, I'm not going to talk about weed, you know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but maybe they were stoners when they were young, so you never know. <laughs> <laughs> True, yeah. But yeah, like you said, I mean, just as long as people can relate, I mean, that's, and that's the difference between, you know, everywhere in the world. You know, exactly. if you can't relate to a joke, of course, it's not going to be funny. 
But yeah, that makes sense as that being really the only main difference between the Croatian scene and, you know, really any other scene. Yeah, because there is good, bad people everywhere. There is intelligent and unintelligent people everywhere. There is, uh, you know, it's, it's really, I, I don't believe it's different. Hmm. Yeah, I, I wanted to go back to, um, <laughs> you mentioned the Johnny Cash tour. Can you talk a little about how that started <laughs> and what that was? <laughs> well, this guy came to us from this, uh, I don't know what's that, uh, Udruga, um, uh, an uh, NGO, okay? Yeah. This guy from NGO came to us and he asked if we want to perform in uh, one jail first so he can see how that will go. And I immediately said, yes, <laughs> which maybe was not supposed to be that enthusiastic. But uh, because later he's like, you know, but they're not all, everybody inside for all, like, not, so I'll tell you why I should not be so just enthusiastic later, but still, I'm, anyways, so we started performing, uh, we start, we performed in Remetinec, and it was kind of okay, let's say it like that, uh, it's, they're a little less emotional than people outside, because they're closed, in so you cannot expect I don't know what kind of emotion from that but we got laughs and stuff like that and then uh, he asked me first if I would like to do the workshops and uh, and uh, first if we would do stand up in a um, correctional facility for uh, teenagers for male teenagers and we did that as well and then he asked me if I wanted to do workshop with them and I'm like yeah sure but I soon realized that for me it would better be if I did the workshop first and then the show, because when you do the show, you say a lot of things just to get close to them. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then you do workshops later and then, yeah, it's not a good position. So after I finished the workshop, he suggested, okay, this passed good. If we want to visit all the jails in Croatia, and we're like, sure, wow. why not? Of course. And the best performance was for sure in the uh, Požega uh, jail because it's a mixed jail. They have um, male in one jail, female in the other jail, but when they do common uh, things, then they have, they, they put them together. But it's like for the first 10 rows of uh, the theater hall is uh, uh, in jail. That's theater hall in jail. For the first uh, 10 rows, they have women. Then they have two rows of guards and then they have men. Hmm. So. And that was the mixed audience, so the atmosphere was the best, I have to admit, because women are more uh, louder in reactions <laughs> than uh, men are. So the, that was the best atmosphere, uh, for sure. Uh, but in Lepoglava, when we performed, uh, that's like uh, the, the, not the worst jail, but for the, the, like for the baddest, let's say it like that. Uh, I, Got so I, I had so much fun on stage and it was really cool and everybody was it, it it was really good I cannot say it was they really accepted us it was really good and it the atmosphere was so cool that at the end <laughs> I said thank you so much you were an amazing audience and you know what the best joke is that I can go home now and you can't <laughs> oh my god <laughs> and I was like did I just fucking say that but they started <laughs> laughing and clapping so oh okay because humor you know that humor is the best weapon ever. Uh, and it, it it passed okay. And I was like, ha, 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 ha. And then at one point we were performing in studio. And it was, I believe, six years later or even more. 
And I performed in studio, and in the break, we're outside, people are smoking cigarettes, having drinks on the uh, on the backyard, and I'm standing there with other comedians, and this guy comes over, bald-headed, and like, Hey, Marina, I know you. And I'm like, yeah, hi, uh, yeah, you were amazing tonight. And I'm like, thank you, thank you. But you know what? I saw you also. And I'm like, you're really where? In jail. <laughs> and I started laughing and he's like, yeah, and we see, we can come out. And it was so funny. Uh, he remembered that joke. <laughs> yeah. And it was so, it was so funny because, oh my God, yeah, you can come out. Jesus, ha <laughs> ha will you hurt me now? Please don't. Yeah, but. Yeah, I believe that with, with humor, like you can, a lot of things can pass. That's why I started uh, using humor uh, as a weapon in 2010 when I outed myself and uh, when I um, when I started Kaibre, the Serbian creation show. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I definitely, I think humor is one of the best ways to, you know, heal and to bring people together. Yes, and to actually kind of change uh, uh, change minds and consciousness about things, you know, because I actually have examples like proof, immediate proof, you know, not like, oh, maybe this happened. Like, we have immediate proof that humor can actually, like, change people's uh the way they think, uh, the way they feel about things, the way, I mean, not in a bad way, of course, if you have, I mean, that's the reason why, because humor is such an amazing power, actually, with every great power comes a great responsibility, right? So I think that the comedians, above all, should have a huge social and uh, social responsibility uh, towards the audience and towards what they say on stage. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. I, well, I wanted to ask a little bit. You mentioned the uh, Croatian-Serbian um, mm-hmm. communal, you know, stand-up. How, what is that like? Is I mean, is there? Do you have to be sensitive about certain topics? How do you go about that? Is I guess what I'm asking. Yeah. Okay. So we started that. Uh, we had our hundredth show uh, two weeks ago. Actually, it was on, yeah, on 21st of uh, uh, April, we had our 100th show in uh, Zagreb. And uh, I want to thank all the people who came, even though you're not listening to this, <laughs> but still. Uh, and uh, we started that show because uh, we start uh, in 2010, I believe we started uh, cooperating intensively with Serbian comedy scene and they started coming here and we started coming there and blah, blah. And since uh, it was war, as you remember, and since uh, after war, our politicians are using uh, uh, relations between Croatia and Serbia every time they need it for anything like whatever happens uh, bad from their side, they're always, oh, but remember, uh, Serbians are here and they're bad and they're terrible. And that's the same from their side as well. Mm. And uh, the the our politicians are not letting us uh, beca- uh, like b- go back in peace, to, to peace or whatever. So we realized with performing everywhere in Serbia and Croatia, uh, we realized that there is still a lot of tension between two of our nations. And that that's ridiculous because uh, our own opinion as comedians 
are that uh, people are not responsible for what happened, that somebody was playing a lot of games <laughs> when all of that uh, came around. And Serbian and Croatian people are so alike that it's incredible. Like our languages are the same. Come on, people. <laughs> so, I mean, I better understand people from Belgrade than people from uh, Istria, which is Croatia, sometimes, <laughs> when they talk fast, you know? So it's like ridiculous what they're doing with all this separation and everything. So uh, we realized that it's there's still a lot of tension. And then we started to joke about it off the stage. And we saw that it's making people around us laugh a lot. Uh, and that laughter is kind of different. I'll explain it to you with the story about Osijek later. But uh, so we started uh, doing that off stage, and then we started doing it a little bit on stage on the festivals, like uh, when we are performing anyway, and people love us in Belgrade. Then there we start something, and the colleagues from Serbia start something, and then we in Zagreb we start something like to, just to see how it's gonna react. Uh, with the audience and uh, and it always went really well and we realized that it, actually people are also sick of what the politicians are doing and they kind of need this kind of uh, laughter because it's kind of healing as well and uh, since I'm the uh, I'm the only comedian from Studio Smiecha who was in Pioneers when Tito was here. <laughs> and uh, uh, I mean, not when Tito was here, but when Yugoslavia was still here. And uh, Alexander is the only pioneer also in the Serbian comedy scene. We started talking about it and uh, we wrote each 45 minutes regarding life in Yugoslavia, uh, the separation, war, and the relations between our countries after the war and politic scenes and blah, blah, yada, yada, stuff like that. So we started performing that and when the premiere was incredible. The, the amount of energy and laughter in people was really incredible. And we started performing uh, everywhere in Serbia and in Croatia. And then... Uh, uh, one specific moment that I wanted to tell you about regarding that show is when we went to Niche, we filled out 660 seats in a uh, home of the military, which was ridiculous. So, because like that's their concert hall, but it's called home of the military. So we had Kai Bred, the most unmilitary show in the world, <laughs> performing there. And uh, it was filled up and I was kind of like, oh my God, I hope they're gonna, like, we promised each other that we're gonna say everything we say. We're gonna say it on the stage in Croatia and on the stage in Serbia. Like, we will not make difference mm -hmm. if we want the show to work. So, uh, except the non-relatable things. But yeah. uh, the the uh, critical uh, things we will say everywhere. And... Uh, the atmosphere was amazing. The show went amazing. Everything was great. But still, you never know. Maybe there is a person in there that I got in. You know, you never know. So I was uh, standing outside after the show ended. I was all alone in front. It was 11 something uh, in the evening. I was waiting for Alexander to finish up uh, the deals and stuff. It doesn't matter. I was alone outside. And across the street was a kiosk and uh, three 
really big, uh, bold guys uh, were going standing on that kiosk. And then they turned and they saw me across the street and they they, they bumped each other like, oh, look. Uh, and they started walking towards me. And at that point, I was like, oh, my God, this is my end. Like, I'm gonna, this is my end here in a niche. Like, really, Marina? <laughs> and uh, they started walking towards me and it, it was dark and you don't see, like, you just see three big guys walking towards you. And as they got closer, I saw huge uh, smile on their faces and they approached me and in Serbian they said yeah we were on the show tonight and you know what I will never hit another creation I will just hug them I promise and to me it was like wow I mean relief that they're not gonna hit me or anything <laughs> and also it was like wow wow humor is really like wow and um uh, with Osijek, when I wanted to tell you special moment with Osijek and Sisak, like those two cities are the cities that we performed in that were the most damaged during the war. We still didn't go to Vukovar and Vinkovci because Alexander is kind of not okay with it yet because of the respect and everything. He just wants some, he's not afraid. He's just kind of, I don't, I don't know. We, we are still re- talking about those two cities, reg- regardless of the fact that people want us to come, but we are still talking about it. But the mm-hmm. cities that we did perform in, Osik and Sisak were the most damaged ones in, uh, in, uh, in the war. So I cannot, ex- like the atmospheres and energies of the audience. Everywhere this show is accepted well, really. I cannot say it. Everywhere people laugh, everywhere it's really amazing atmosphere. But the level of love and atmosphere in those two cities was I I I, I it's undescribable. And what kind of kind of not proved to me because I never thought it, but kind of realized after those two cities that yeah. Laughter is laughter everywhere, but you cannot find the true laughter if you didn't feel the pain. Hmm. It, it was kind of like, it, if to me, it was like, I cannot, like, it, I, it's unexplainable for, to me at the moment, uh, still. But the the, con, the amount of, and the people waiting for us outside to take photos with Alexander and to hug him and uh, uh, pff, uh, it's... I, I, undescribable. Hmm. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. And I mean, it, it sort of makes me think, you know, when I went to Sarajevo and they talk about how people have really, you know, like the dark humor over there because it's sort of a way of coping with, you know, everything that's happened and to be able to laugh about things. And still happening, unfortunately. Yeah. But I mean, you know, on a lighter note, it's great to hear that, that humor is, you know, that, that powerful to be able to, you know, heal and bring yeah. people closer together. And as we're, yeah. uh, we're we're coming down to the to the end here of the podcast, Marina, but I, I do want to ask just one last quick thing. And you know, thank you again so much for coming on. But uh, just really quick, if you can talk a little about, you know, what does the future hold for you? What sort of plans do you have as far as comedy and well, you know any other projects? Uh, m- my plans are actually to kind of focus on myself right now because after, as we didn't have time to talk about it, because really talking to me, unfortunately, is longer necessary than one hour, especially <laughs> regarding the scene. But after, I don't know, now 12 festivals, uh, two times uh, Lisinski, and after all those things that were made for the scene, uh, 
because I got some awards uh, outside uh, Croatia and I want to focus on uh, uh, performing in English more uh, in Europe and maybe one day uh, in United States. And I want to focus uh, more on uh, diaspora and uh, kind of my own uh, career and to start uh, – that's kind of for me because I, I believe that scene has grown – enough to with couple of little pushes to 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 be to manage to function without a a mom how they said so many times so uh yeah for my for me my uh, at the moment the the future is uh, actually kind of going to be more focusing on me and hopefully in a year or two tops uh, again opening a comedy club in a lot smaller capacity just to be kind of an intimate uh, thing where comedians can try out their new things and uh, where we can play with the audience and to have a home of stand-up actually uh, and the biggest focus now definitely is going to be to try to push uh, stand-up on TV and to push some projects that are, I believe, very humorous and very good uh, to the TV. That's kind of be kind of going to be the biggest focus. But my plan is the to, to visit the United States uh, uh, before 2024, let's say. But when you go somewhere that far, you know, it's it has to be like a month or two. Yeah. <laughs> you cannot just like come for two days and perform and go back so yeah that's kind of a plan and i believe uh also what i need to because i don't think that uh, uh the, those groups now that are exist existing out of studio uh now uh i believe that they can hold this theater uh scene and clubs and stuff like that on a great great level and uh, the only focus i believe that i'm gonna have regarding the scene is the festivals and uh <laughs> those kind of uh, bigger things that are uh, helping also scene to grow so and also a female comedy scene that's actually the the biggest part uh, when it comes to the scene that's the biggest part i'm gonna focus on and i plan to have a la femme uh la, F la femme festival uh, which is not la femme but la, uh, la like laughter fam mm. you know so, yeah. <laughs> so i'm gonna connect with that i hope i'm gonna have it on uh, somewhere on the coast so all the foreign comedians would be delightful to come and to <laughs> spend especially time during the there summer and... exactly that's <laughs> that's kind of our you know like maybe we don't have a lot of money but look what we have so you know <laughs> <laughs> hopefully that's gonna be the catch that uh, that pulls them in and uh, yeah that's gonna be uh, my biggest focus regarding the scene now, the female comedy scene, because I believe that it can be strong and that uh, now it's three of us, actually, and I believe that uh, actually four of us, let's say like that, but this girl just started, and I believe that uh, we can grow uh, as well as a female comedy scene. Mm -hmm. Wow, yeah, definitely a lot of interesting projects you have and, um, you know, big hopes. And I hope that those are able to come to fruition quickly and easily. Although, of course, there's always going to be, you know, obstacles and challenges. But um, I know we'll yeah. be following your career. And I know Thank just speaking so for the diaspora, they would love to see a Croatian comedian, you know, come into their scene and, and do something. So that would be definitely really cool if you're able to get to the U.S. and, and do some sets yeah, over there. I would there. love to. <laughs> I would love to. Thank but uh, so Marina, thank you again. Me.
Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're super busy, and you know I want to say good luck in the ZSPM. Uh, no, it's just now. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much, and uh, yeah, thank you so much for inviting me and uh, giving me opportunity to tell my story. And uh, I don't know, maybe you will invite me uh, again because there is a lot of subjects regarding comedy scene in Croatia that we didn't touch. So. Yes, I'm sure Maybe you could talk for talk hours about this. I'm so sorry. I know I talk too much sometimes, but this is, you know, my baby and my life for the past 17 years, so. That's it for today's episode of the All Things Croatia podcast. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you all enjoyed it. You can subscribe to the Patreon and check out the All Things Croatia Instagram page to stay updated. Feel free to reach out to me with any questions, tips, or ideas, and make sure to tune back in to the next episode. Thanks again and vidimo se.